Welcome to Finding Contentment, the official podcast of the American Institute of Stress. The goal of this podcast is to explore the science, psychology and practical wisdom that can help us manage our stress. If you are looking for personal growth and professional success, or just want a more fulfilling life, visit us at stress.org. And now here is the host and executive director of the American Institute of Stress, Will Heckman. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the American Institute of Stress's official podcast, Finding Contentment. And while I got you here, I want you to remind you to go to stress.org and to subscribe to our magazines. They're free. And look at all the other stuff we have to offer. And speaking of subscribing, please subscribe to this YouTube channel. It lets us know that, first of all, you're watching. And second of all, it helps us grow our channel. We appreciate it. And today we have a great subject, one we've talked about before, but it's never going to go away. Um, and that's about workplace stress. You know, have you ever had one of those days where at work when you feel like you're uh, juggling flaming swords and while riding a unicycle on a tightrope? Yeah, we've all had those days. Yeah. And today our podcast is about workplace stress and and we'll be delving into the daily grind of how it can sometimes make you feel like you're drowning in a sea of deadlines and emails and office politics, our favorite. But fear not, we're we're here to share some stories and tips and maybe a dash of humor uh, to help keep everyone's sanity intact uh, in the corporate jungle. So grab a cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is you're drinking, find a comfy spot. Let's talk about the good, the bad, and the downright crazy aspects of workplace stress. Uh, and we're lucky enough to have a very special guest today. Mr. Ken Spencer. Uh, Ken formed HR services back in 2004 and providing HR solutions for thousands of employees all across the country. And Ken has also taught compliance and leadership and HR courses for Westminster College and the University of Phoenix. He's got over 25 years of uh, compliance and HR experience. He's also earned his master's degree in Human Resources Management from the University of Utah and holds a bachelor's degree in marketing as well. So I want you to join me in welcoming our very special guest, Mr. Ken Spencer. Ken, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate hey, it. Good morning. Good morning, Will. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. You know, I have to tell you that, that um, no matter how much we talk about workplace stress, it is not enough. <laughs> you know, as adults, we spend a good part of our life at work, some of us more than others. I've had jobs where 12, 16-hour days were not unusual. And if you think about that, wow, that's it's where you live. You come home to rest from the place you live. And these we, really days, spend, we really spend more awake hours at work than we do with our own family. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. And I've heard, you know, statistics of in other countries where they don't do that. But here in the United States, well, I know we have inter, uh, uh, international listeners and viewers uh, here in the United States. That's pretty normal, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah. It's just uh, yeah. the way it is. And, and I wanted to ask you, I know, and I know it's different for everyone because we talk about how stress is different for everyone all the time. But I wanted you, as because you have a very global view of the workforce and the workplace, I want that, what would you say is the primary cause of workplace stress? 
you know, Will, it's hard to uh, to just say one thing because there are so many things yeah. that are that are causing it. Um, you know, one of them you you alluded to the the long hours uh, that that people have to put in, and and those long hours are, are sometimes not just at the office. They're at home after, and now we also have a lot of people that have gone to working remote. So there's right. the stress of when to turn on and off work time. Um, we've got uh, we've got a lot of uh, heavy workloads that you had alluded to. Um, job insecurity. You know how many companies have been doing layoffs here over the last uh, several months, and uh, and that gets people worried. Um, a lot of conflicts going on still between uh, team members and supervisors and such. But I think it even extends up to uh, things like unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. unclear expectations, and and then maybe not enough clear enough communication, you know, or not frequently enough and such throughout the company with the supervisor and the employee. They're just, again, I say there's just so many variables there. I've experienced every single one of those things. And I can tell you that they are frustrating. Um, I, I've you know, people who listen and watch this podcast know I, I was in education and sometimes, wow, you, you just don't hear about what you, it is you're supposed to do. And God knows it changes daily. And the communication aspect of it is so unbelievable. And I know teachers who literally, I know people will be surprised to hear this, work 70, 80 hours a week. Because when you're done, you come home, you sit down and you go to work. It's it's incredible the amount of and and i guess it you know it changes some field to field i've been in other fields where it's not like that but you made a really good point about some people are working at home and um that's changed a lot and that's become more prevalent i i don't know and i hear both sides i was like that's a great thing i get to work from home and oh my god this sucks i never leave work i don't know which is which is worse uh, one of the things I did want to ask you, because um, being an HR guy, you must hear about it, is about the the impact that workplace stress has on individuals, both physically and and their mental health. I know in the short term, it can it can have different effects than it does long term. What have you seen? You know. Some of the effects that we see actually are are right in the job and the output themselves. You know, the stress, a lot of times they get so distracted, um, they're not as productive, Uh, their attendance goes down, their tardiness goes up, Um, they're more irritable, they're, uh, you know, just not as uh, communicative and and open with uh, with others. But then we do see some some things like increased anxiety, uh, depression, um, some, some even substance abuse situations, sleeping problems, um, headaches, anxiety, you know, all of these kinds of things that, <laughs> that, that, that run into, you know, right. You know, and, and all of those things we hear too, uh, you know, the unchecked, unmanaged stress of workplace stress, uh, becomes a diagnosable problem like anxiety and depression, GAD, you know, general anxiety disorders and things like that. And you're right. It affects production. I mean, we need stress. We need stress. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's without stress. We can't be productive. It it, it makes us, it makes it can make us more productive. Um, But the unmanaged chronic stuff, you know, I, I, as a, as a teacher, 
I have seen teachers carried out on a journey out of out of schools, mm-hmm. and uh, that makes you take. Whoa, was there something wrong with them, or you, you know, I I, I told people. <laughs> People are not going to like me to say this, but the number one reason for burnout is dedication. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. You know, so sooner or later, um, <laughs> you got to have a, a a stopping point. You got to stop. You know, and different companies of different sizes probably do different things. Um, can you tell us some strategies or, or maybe some interventions that that the employers or administrations or, or the people involved, they can implement or, or first of all, to identify that somebody's going through something uh, or just to address it at all. Yeah. Well, for sure, you've got to start by understanding what's going on in your environment. So, so uh, you know, I would, I would say, and it really starts at the grassroots of the supervisor being the eyes and ears and having the relationship with their teams. So they kind of understand the stresses and the situations in, in their personal lives and work lives. And that's a, they have to kind of understand a little bit of both because a lot of times the stress is coming from a personal life, but then they bring it into the workforce and vice versa, you know, so it can happen both ways, but certainly having a relationship with your team that they can come to you and be open and honest and candid about feedback, you know, so if we don't as leaders allow mistakes and we don't as leaders allow people to slip up once in a while with and, and be candid with their feelings, um, we, we hinder ourselves of uh, understanding stress and what's going on in the workplace, you know, and, and, and certainly a lot of employers will do things like uh, opinion surveys, uh, they can do uh, uh, group discussions where they can get together and talk about it. And a lot too will put in place things like key performance indicators where they're monitoring, uh, are they meeting, achieving the purpose of their job through, through these KPIs? And then as they, if they see them dip up or down, a lot of times that's a, an indication that, that there's something going on. Um, uh, and Will, I don't know if you wanted to, I mean, there's a lot of things that they do. That's kind of things to be aware of stress. Right. I mean, there's a whole list of of things that employers are doing to try to minimize and manage stress within there. I don't know if you wanted me to go into any of that. But. You know, the, the, well, the first thing is, is you, you're right, Ken. I mean, it has to do with your immediate supervisor. The problem that I've seen is that not all people are the same. Some people have, uh, uh, you know, real skill in, in forming relationships with their uh, the people on their team and, and things like that. And some aren't, you know, it, it, it depends on the industry that they're in, how often they even see their supervisor. We were talking a little bit about education before. I mean, that's a, like a, a microcosm of a workplace because it's a teacher and the students. You don't have a supervisor there all the time. You get, you get to go to a meeting and, I don't think I've ever been to one where people didn't bitch and moan about their job. But so I don't know how we get past that. People are human. You know, you you might be the greatest supervisor and really have a feel for that person's performance is not up to par what's going on while the other person is in their, in the other supervisor in their own world. Is there any way to, to, 
fix that or bypass that? You know, a lot of that even starts with, uh, with getting the right person in the right position. You know, it's because a lot of times we're, uh, you know, certain jobs have a lot more stress or require a lot mm -hmm. of uh, 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 other demands. I, I, I have a brother who works construction that requires a lot of people to be outside in the elements. Uh, uh, and if somebody's not prone to that or they don't like that or there's a lot of physical elements to that, if they don't have that ability or like that kind of work, it's going to stress them out. Right. So a lot of times it's getting the right person in the right place. Even supervisors, some, sometimes we quickly promote our, our top performers thinking that, oh, they'll be the best supervisor. And then we don't train them how to be a supervisor. And so we create the stress for them in this new role. We kind of set them up to fail almost. <laughs> and so right. But you're right that there's so many different personalities. And sometimes as employers, we have to adjust to and be a little flexible to those personalities and customize the the needs, the training, the, the, the help, the support that they need by individual by individual. You talk to companies and tell them, and, and tell them there should be a component that for your, you know, training for your supervisors that have to deal with relationship building. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that you know, uh, having uh, working together with how do you get team members to work together? How do you resolve conflicts when they happen? How do you give somebody feedback about their performance and not demotivate them? Right. Um, you know, so so there's a lot of skills and special training that's needed for supervisors. If that if we don't give them that when they go into those roles, we're we're setting them up to fail, or they'll be a very difficult boss that's creating stress for their team members because they're not uh, effectively doing those things. Well, I'm glad to hear that you know that the people in the upper echelons of businesses and corporations are are at least aware of it. There was a time not that long ago where yeah, hey, you know, just do your job. Don't you know? Just just come in and show up on time and do your job. You know they couldn't care less, and yeah, I think that's cool. changed a little bit. I think um, people have seen that the the importance of mental health, and I I gotta say I think it happened because they started seeing the bottom line. We lose three billion dollars a year because of stress in the workplace employee productivity absenteeism you mentioned it yourself you know um, uh, now there's something quiet quitting so you know i i, I don't know um I, I certainly don't know the answers to fixing all this stuff i i know that there was training for teachers and uh, in education uh, forming relationships is very important obviously we're, we're not making a car we're dealing with a person and a, some of them are young and insane um, but you know, uh, I'm just kidding. They're not insane. They just seem it. Um, I have, a, I had a teenage daughter too, but we, at least we got some training in it. Your brother who works in construction. I mean, some guys get to be foreman because they've been there the longest. Right. I don't know if it's necessarily because they can get the most out of their team. So, but at least I think now that companies are seeing there's, a reason to have a mental health component in your overall scheme in your HR department. What about the employees sure. themselves? I, I, it, it, they have to find a way that they're able to communicate their stress-related concerns to their supervisor or the HR department without having to worry about 
repercussions. And when I say repercussions, I don't mean you're going to get fired or something like that. But you and I both know that if somebody comes to HR and says, this is bothering me, this is bothering me, sometimes they can get pegged as the complainer. And you don't, that's not a fast track to promotion. It, it, you know, so how do we, how do we allow employees to either do it? You talked about uh, doing it as a group, which I think is a great idea. Uh, well, what about personal? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is difficult for uh, some team members to, to come forward because as you alluded, it, it could be viewed as a weakness that, oh, you're feeling stressed. Wow, I don't want to put you in a in that new promotion job right. because you'll be so stressed then you can't handle this here now, you know, and so you get that you get viewed like you can't handle it or that you're not enough. And so so there's that reluctance for people to come forward. I I think to uh, to help break some of those barriers, employers just need to be open uh, and honest with with their team members that hey this happens to everybody let's all mm. be a little bit vulnerable and 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 maybe even share some of our own stresses and and such that's going on in in the in our life or our workplace and let people know also making it safe you know so if i have a relationship with with my team members or i'm encouraging that throughout the company then people can come to me and they'll come to me and, you know, I've got to have bank with people to where they know I've got their back that I'm not going to look down on them. You know, and that means I've got to be talking to them regularly. I've got to be having dialogue and, and, and asking, Hey, how did your kid's ball game go? Tell me about right. that uh, weekend that you just had. And that takes a couple of minutes. Um, you know, so, so we've got to invest some time in, in building relationships so people can be uh, come to us and be open and with us as well when they're having challenges and make it okay. It's okay to let them have some, some challenges. And, and, uh, and if they're not comfortable going to their supervisor, then have avenues for them to do that with others in the company. Like, like you, you mentioned human resources or someone, some other means, a lot of companies even have a, uh, an employee assistance program in place, you know, that's there for, for people so they can go anonymous, don't even have to go through the company. And that's another great tool and resource as well. I, I you know, I, EAPs um, work real well for a lot of things because like you say, it could be anonymous. Um, and, and some people are just uncomfortable talking to somebody they know at work. It could be a serious problem and it can be uh you know, embarrassing to them. Some people are more stoic than others. And it also depends on, on the profession. Um, I know, and I have many friends who are police officers and first responders. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to say anything. Uh, and I talk to a lot of veterans and they feel the same way. They, they're not going to say anything because they, first of all, they feel they're letting their the, the brothers and sisters who work side by side with them in a very dangerous situation have doubt about them. Yeah, They're or, worried or it's about viewed that. as a weak viewed as a weakness. You know, like right. you're, you know, you're not you're not tough enough to be in that job because you have you have stress or anxiety or something. Right. That... And the, and you made such a great point that you know if you fight if you're coming to me about how stressed out you are, do I want to promote you? <laughs> That's really a good point and add to your stress. Let me ask you this, and this is only because someone mentioned this to me uh, about a police department that's doing this, and I don't remember where it is, but um, they said that um, 
the officers were not going to voluntarily go and say, hey, I'm really stressed out. I'm starting to feel burnt out. I'm starting to feel the pressure. God knows I have a lot. He said, in order to overcome that, the stigma of them going to somebody and saying that they made it mandatory for everyone. Everyone, every six months had to have like a 15 minute sit down with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. There is no stigma. You have to do it as part of your job. No one else knows what else is going on. I thought that was a great solution to at least that part of the problem. Uh, I don't know if corporations can do that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, you wonder how many of them come in and just kind of put on a front and say, okay, I'm just going to tell them what I think they want to hear so I can get this 15 minute thing done that's required. Because when we're forced to do things, often we don't come with our heart and our mm-hmm. vulnerability. And, and, you know, it might could develop that over time, perhaps. But uh, um, yeah, interesting. I, I, I don't, uh, whenever I've seen situations where employers are trying to force something that maybe isn't wanted by employees, my experience is they tend to put up a front and, yeah. and, and some resistance and say, okay, let's give them what they think they want to hear. Oh, things are just hunky dory in my life. And just, I love it here. You know, and right. then they walk out and say, but there are, there are some that are mandatory, you know, because of a situation that they've been through. But I, I thought that was an interest and you're right. I don't think that would happen the first meeting. I think, I mean, what you said would happen, I think would happen the first meeting. I don't think, the real connection would happen. It may take, so what? It takes a couple of years. If you started as day one, by the year three that you're at this company, as long as it's the same person who's the same psychologist or same, it could be, it can be, you know, a life coach. It can be somebody, you know, somebody that you feel comfortable speaking and to. When people start to see the benefit and, and, you know, feel like it's a, uh, like, hey, this this is helping, you know. Then, then it will they will come more into it. I'm sure. Right. And I, and I think uh, as awareness grows, and that stigma goes away. I think it'll happen more often. You know, um, tell me some things that are typical signs or symptoms that you see, or people have told you that employers that it, it should watch out for and recognize when workplace stress is becoming a problem for them. People go in day in and day out. I have seen it just stressed out and do the worst thing you can do for stress. Nothing. They just learn to live with it. That's a bad thing. 75% of doctor visits, 75% can be directly related to stress. Unmanaged. So what are some of the signs people need to look for? Well, you know, I think some of the things we talked about, uh, uh, you know, that you'll see evidence from their behaviors or how they're feeling, you know. So so if we're looking at, you know, someone constantly fatigued, are they anxious? Do they seem uh, uh, irritable, you know, quick to react and respond uh, you know, I think are signs. Uh, we might we might see people uh, burned out. Uh, you know, where you can just kind of tell. You know, you, you see their body language and they roll their eyes as you just talk about a new a, a new deadline or, um, you know. So it's uh, 
uh, even things like we talked about before, the absenteeism, the tardiness, the sick, uh, increased sick, sick time off, all of those things can be signs and indicators that we, that we have a problem. And then if we're not taking a pulse once in a while, either asking the questions and, and sometimes we got to get very specific, you know, we might start out with how are things going for you? And then we've got to get pro probe in a little deeper. How's that deadline? Have I given you realistic expectations? Are you clear about the requirements of your job? Do you have the tools and resources you need? You know, getting more details so that we can kind of help to surface out and identify those things if they're if they're not just showing themselves. That's a really good point. It really is. Do you have what you need to do what I'm asking? That's man, how many times I wish somebody would ask that no that's crazy <laughs> you know i don't you know if you want me to do that you need to do this and this you know i used to have uh, uh, supervisors and you know ask me hey what would it take to do that and my answer a lot of times was the same time and money <laughs> like the two things that they never want to give you so <laughs> right. um but it was nice to be asked Sometimes you don't get asked. That's a really good point, Ken. I appreciate that. It, 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 and it helps to alleviate that stress so much. Workplace, knowing there's a guy at least understands that, you know, there's more to this than just getting a memo or an email. Hey, I need you to do this. Bump. What? <laughs> don't you know what else I'm doing? You know? Exactly. And, and, and uh, you, 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 Mentioned something before about uh, work balance between work and life. What we're talking about hours and things like that, and I, I, it's come up before about you know your work life and your personal life balance. It's gone so wacky lately because people working from home. The whole COVID thing, man. It just it just made people either pivot or crumble. You know, is in some professions, there are people who knew nothing about the technology that we're doing right now. This right now has become so easy, you know, doing a uh, chatting online like this. Before COVID, I called you up, man. you know, to come to, I went, came to your office. Um, it, it was a lot different. So people had to learn a lot about technology they had to learn about how they do their job with that technology and then they still had to do their job and then the people that are working from home um either felt like oh great i don't have to get dressed to go to work or oh my god this sucks I, i'm always at work so <laughs> i don't know um so how do people do you have some suggestions how people can find that work-life balance how do you do it? Well, well, first I I would I, I wanted to comment a little bit on the working remote because uh, you know a lot of us moved to that during COVID, and uh, and we we discovered hey it works so now all of a sudden I, what I don't have to pay for an office and I don't have to pay for a you know so a lot of employers have left it that way um, sometimes to the demise of their teams because. We're missing some things now. I don't get we don't get that connection that we used to have when I could sit across a table face to face. And I mean, you, you, certainly we get some of that through a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting. But 
but it's different when I'm there in person and, and, uh, you know, you know, I can shake your hand and, and, and pat you on the back and, and give you a hug. You know, maybe right. we're, we're missing, we're missing connection and, and some of that interaction that we, that we lost. And so, you know, we certainly encourage work-life balance. Well, the other thing that's happening with those who are remote is I alluded to this earlier. We don't know when to turn off work, you know, because we, we come into, our office is at home, you know, and so we're constantly looking at our email throughout the day and into the evening. And then we get people used to us doing that. And so then we're all doing it back and forth throughout the, you know, and so we don't know when to turn off work and when to, 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 to have that balance and, and such. So, so we recommend things like having a designated work spot at your, at, at your home or your work. And when you're in there, you're, you're in work, you know, do, do work, even, even, you know, dress for it and act it. And when you go out of that office, leave work there. Don't check your emails into the night and don't, uh, you know, you've got to, we have to schedule balance, <laughs> work-life balance, or it isn't going to happen, you know? So, so we have to put in boundaries to make sure that we, we ourselves are, are, are doing things. Uh, I, I have to make sure I'm taking breaks. I right. have to, you know, because it's really easy just to keep going. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm not as effective. What's going on? Oh, yeah, I guess I had to go eat. You, you know, <laughs> I got to go. Have, I got to go have some lunch, you know, so so just little things like that can can go a long way. And boy, that's so funny that you say that, because that's exactly what happens to me. Not every day. Most days I'm, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I have a good balance. I do work for a while, stop for a while, work for a while. But there are days when I'm into something like uh, our magazine. We have two magazines that are come out <clears throat> four times a year. When the, mag the day the magazine comes out, I find myself sitting here. I have three screens in front of me with like six windows open. And all of a sudden, like, I don't feel well. I go, oh, I forgot to eat. <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah, damn, passing you, out here. I don't know why. I just, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, like I'm shaky and like, uh, I've had like the conversation with 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 people in the past about this one thing, and they said they set alarms for you know to take a break, walk away, walk walk away from uh, the situation. And you're right about the fact that you got to know when to turn it off. It's really hard. We carry around our, if you work at home, if you work virtually, you carry around your office in your pocket on your phone, you can get an email. One of the things I learned, and if you're doing this, stop it. I used to have a little alarm every time I got an email and ding, so I'd be in the other room and I'd hear ding and my heart would just like, Oh my God. Finally, my boss, Dr. Kirsch, once said to me, Will, an email's not a crying baby. It's okay. <laughs> and went, oh, my God, that was perfect. Thank you, Dan. You know, and so I shut off that alarm, and that, and that alleviated some of the stress. Learning those balances and the things that you said are, are right on. Like, you know, and, and working from home has a lot of challenges, people. I have a friend who works with a Better Business Bureau. And during COVID, they all went home. They all started working from home. He does not want to go into work anymore. He says, I get done so much more done at home now. And it's because I'm relaxed and I can do more at home. He has to do investigations and he's much happy. He hates going in for meetings. Well, he says, I'm getting that goes, done. 
that goes back to something we talked about before. Everybody's different. You know, there are some, there's, I hear that a lot. That a lot of people are saying, I'm way more productive because that's the way they're wound. That's their personality. They want to, you know, a lot of the introverts are, hey, I'm so happy that I get to go <laughs> shut myself away in an office at home. I get so much done now. Um, you know, and so what we're seeing too is a lot of hybrid situations where some of the employers are letting some people come, come in, some work remote. And, and then we're almost requiring some of those introverts to still come in once in a while because we want to see their face and shake their hand and, and have dialogue. Um, but we we found that uh, employers that have increased their communication hold a few more meetings, even though, you know, we all we hear the word meeting. We're going, oh, boy, a meeting. But hold a productive meeting, you know. So I have one of my team leaders that meets every day with her whole team virtually for about 15 minutes, and they do this quick check-in with each other. They, you know, they and then and they also we have a we call it our HR service social board where people go in and we say put pictures of your kids and tell us those stories and and yeah. they'll do we get little chats and things going on there and you know and it, it seems really balanced out and it gives people some of that interaction that they were miss, you know, they're missing. And, you know, and we have people in multiple states with HR service. And so, you know, it's hard for us all to be together anyway. Right. So, so doing some of these things, um, you know, you know, helps. Uh, and, and then finding ways to get people together and connected when you can, you know, so we've had times where we fly people in and we'll go do some fun things together, hold some, hold a conference and things or the people that are together in in different areas we we encourage you know, hey get together and go do go do lunch um you know do you know you can, so you can get some of that balance back to the things that we've lost with the with the remote work and and the connections which all all can relieve stress is some right. of the, the things that we're missing you know it's a, it's a it's a great point it's i mean every company has their own culture I have always been a big believer of of like being a team culture and developing that culture and and when you get people employees who or or you know members of that that culture they get a feeling of ownership they get a feeling of this is my company this is you know my job you know is not just a job it's it's a it's and it's I think it's more productive to to feel that way. You get people who want to be that way, and you're right. They're missing that that personal, you know, handshake, hug, pat on the back, you know. Um, and and in some businesses, that's a big loss uh, because that 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 personal connection with people it means a lot. Uh, you know, the technology is a blessing and a curse. For guys my age, I was told I am a digital, uh, how did they put it? I'm a digital immigrant, and the younger guys are digital natives, so they're, yeah. they're better with it than I am. Like, and so, yeah, I yeah. that remark. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> you know, hey, when I started college, um, I, I, was, I was an engineer. We didn't even have calculators. Oh, God, I'm old. At slide rules. So it, it, I think it's partly generational and it's, and it's a, it's a progression of the workplace, but we cannot dehumanize it with technology because we'll lose something. We'll, we'll lose something. All right. So 
we talked about some good, really good best practices of what you do, should do at home. If you're out there listening, this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Ken because he has a real good global view of what's going on in a lot of corporations with a lot of employees and people's HR services helps thousands of of people. Um, so if you are working remotely, you know, take do some of the things he said. Make a schedule. Have a bell go off, you know, something. But that work-life balance is what keeps you healthy, keeps you mentally healthy. I also wanted to talk to you about because I know you, you know, you know of EAP programs and, and and things that different corporations are doing. Are there some self-care strategies that I, I'm an employee? I'm feeling stressed out. You know, how does how does an employee without having to go to HR, their supervisor, just day in and day out? How, is there some things they can do to help manage their their workplace stress on an individual level? Yeah, well, cer- certainly, you know, if we have like an EAP program, they could use that or, or you know, yeah, I, I don't think there's any shame in, in going to a counselor, um, you know, whether it's through a program like that or finding one on your own. I um, I see a counselor. I, I mean, I think it's very common for mm-hmm. people to uh, to have someone that they can go to and and, and talk about the challenges and, and such in their in their life. So, I highly encourage that, uh, and there's there is no shame in that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even things like just personal care, um, physical and and mental. You know, if I'm not getting sleep. I'm going to, I'm going to be more irritable and stressed if I'm not, uh, you know, watching my diet and I'm not getting some regular exercise. And these are all some real basic things, but, but there's things that we can, that we can do. We, we encourage people to even uh, have some, some stress relief things like doing, you know, some meditation or just some personal time going for a walk. I mean, there, there's so many simple things building in and scheduling in fun and downtime. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned the work-life balance, you know, go do some fun things with your kids and your spouse and your family and, you know, get out there and, and enjoy life. You know, there's more out there than work. You know, this is coming from someone that, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I want high productivity and I want work, but I know that when my team is balanced out with their, with their uh, uh, home life and work life, they're going to be more effective when they're with us. You know, we get way more from somebody than than those who are trying to put in those sixty-hour work weeks constantly. And it doesn't mean we don't have them. We have the times when there's stressors, but when we have those high high volume times, make sure there's some downtime and make sure we're noticing and recognizing that and rewarding that and letting people know you're appreciated and we don't expect you to do this all the time. So I've got to take control of that culture. And steer that ship to where that doesn't become the norm to let them know, well, here's what the norm is, even when I have peaks. You know, boy, you hit it right in the head. I mean, first of all, recognize the fact that, okay, we're going through a busy time now, but also recognize the fact that, okay, guys, things are calm now and it's okay. It's it's all right, you know. You'll, it's expected. We'll, Not only it, okay, it's expected. Go right. take some time off, some downtime, well deserved, and right. and balance out your life. Yeah, uh, and 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 so you know what you do, but you got to admit there are some bosses out there who just like uh, are so a personality and so hopped up, and it may be because their boss is giving them, you know, well. Well, we used to say about whale crap when we're NYPD, it flows downhill. 
So the guy at the bottom gets all of it, but that doesn't mean the guy above you is not getting it either. And that happens all the time. So we, you know, I think you're, you're, you're right. Could just, I was at the Academy and um, I was talking to an old time cop who came in to train us. I don't even remember what, and I was talking to him and he, Looked at me, you know, the typical cop fashion. Listen, kid, <laughs> being a cop is what I do. It's not what I am. And, and I tell you what, to this day, I remember it. And that I lived that, that for just about every job. This is what I do. It's not necessarily who I am. It's one of the ways that we define ourselves, but it's not the only way. Well, you bring up an important point that uh, I think a lot of us need to know who we are. What mm-hmm. are our values? What do we stand for? And and, and how do we define ourselves and, mm-hmm. and, and such? Because if we don't spend some time with that personally, then we find ourselves identifying with our job, <laughs> or identifying right. with, with things that are not as, as healthy as focusing on some good core values and some things that are important to you and your family. It's a good point. I'm almost running out of time, but there's one final question I got to ask you. I ask everybody. I want to know what Ken does personally to do to relieve your stress. What do you do? I know what I do. I get on my motorcycle and I hit the back roads of Florida and, you know, go riding with my club. And yes, I watch birds. I, like, <laughs> I do. But it's what does Ken somebody's do? Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, my my wife uh, loves loves this, but I golf, you know. So I I, I take I take one day a week that uh, I'm I'm gone for four and a half hours, and I go out with my buddies and we joke and we play and we have a good time, and uh, you know. So I I I build in uh, some downtime. I build in some fun. I build in some connection. And and then I and then I I tried to do that with my wife too. You know, we have a date night and uh, and we 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 make that happen. You know, and so, um, but it's other it's little things too. If I don't plan out my priorities, then everything's a priority. If I don't organize my workload and my focus, then I'm all over the place, and you know, and that and that becomes stressful as well. And I've also had to learn to delegate, and and uh, and to say no. Once in a while, you know, That's a hard so thing. I, it, it is, and I have to have boundaries and, and define what, you know, and if something's crossing into that boundary of, of my work-life balance or whatever, I've got to, I've got to step in and, and, and take control of that and take, take responsibility, but just, you know, planning for some of those downtimes, planning for some breaks, planning for that, that work-life balance to make those things happen. That's what I do. And that's a great answer. You know, you, you build in something that's fun social physical it sometimes golf runes and perfectly nice walk through a beautiful park but other than that <laughs> learning to deal with those frustrations are helpful also ken thank you so much for being with us today i think a lot of people out there that are having a lot of stress at work can see that um there's things you can do breathing meditation get outside plan some stuff be organized. I always found that to be my biggest stress reliever. So Ken, thanks. For sure. Thanks for thank all you. the tips. I appreciate you being here. And thank you all for joining us today. This has been your host, Will Heckman. I want to 
thank you for going to stress.org and thank you for subscribing to uh, this podcast. I also want to remind everybody that just as stress is different for each of us, there's no one stress reduction or management strategy that is right for everyone. So that means you need to join us next time to see what we're talking about when it comes to stress and stress-related issues. And I hope what Ken and I had to say today will help you find your way to contentment. Good day, everyone. Thanks, everyone.